0: tragic ending to two lives inside a beloved bar near downtown called Taco Land. And we're still in mourning, you know. It's 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 a gaping void.
1: Romeo Ram, Ayala and Doug Morgan shot to death by two men.
2: Doug would have done anything. He would have done anything for for uh, for Ram and and vice versa.
0: This is South Texas Crime Stories, The Taco Land Murders, part 1. Oh, no.
1: On most nights, Taco Land would feature a live band in its small venue off of West Grayson Street.
2: Very funky, I'll let Odie speak to that, but I mean, it was like a pirate ship and a psychedelic pirate ship, I would say.
1: Eric Sandin and Odie could often be seen performing with their bands at Taco Land, even using the space for rehearsals during the day. The two men would become close with owner Ramiro Ram Ayala.
0: Ram was here every night, regardless, selling Lone Star Tallboys for a dollar, and making a profit, and just, he was a great guy.
2: Yeah, he could be um, extremely salty with his language and scary at night, and then we'd see him some during the day because we rehearsed here, and he was so sweet and gentle.
0: In the summer of June 2005, the Spurs were chasing their third championship. On Thursday, June 23rd, Tauculand was quiet.
2: And no one was here because Ram didn't have a TV. We had a TV, but it was never on. I don't know if it worked. And uh, he was like, screw sports. He had no interest in that.
0: That night, the Spurs won Game 7 and the city celebrated. Not far from those celebrations, shots were fired inside Taco Land. Ayala died that night. His doorman, Doug Morgan, died days later from his injuries. Employee Denise Koger also shot, but she would survive her injuries. And we're still in mourning, you know? It's, it's, yeah, it's a gaping void. For Claude Morgan, his life was
1: forever changed after losing his friend, Doug Morgan.
2: He would buy presents all year long for all his friends that had kids, and he would take those <laughs> presents on Christmas Eve and put them on their porch. Every person that he knew that had children, he did that for them. No matter how many kids they had, and he would wrap them all with comic paper. It was so beautiful. I miss
1: him so much. For years, Doug was the doorman at Taco Land and a friend to many, including Ram Ayala.
2: Doug would have done anything. He would have done anything for for uh, for Ram and and vice versa.
0: Claude, a musician, met Doug at one of his shows and they later became roommates after he found out Doug was homeless. At the time, Claude had no idea Doug's last name was even Morgan.
2: And I just happened to look at his wallet And his driver's license was there, and it said Doug Morgan. I go, Morgan? Like, he had never told me his last name. My name was Morgan, of course, and so I'm freaking out. I grabbed the driver's license. I run into the bathroom. I go, Doug? Was it what? And he's in the bathtub. What is this? The Doug Morgan, that your last name? He goes, yeah. And I go, well, gee whiz, you know, like. He goes, don't
0: worry, we're not related. That ended up being a blessing. The night Doug was shot, Claude rushed to the hospital, but at the time, family was only allowed in ICU.
2: There's a cop at the door and And I walked up to the policeman and I said, I'd like to see Doug. He says, well, Unless you're family, we can't let you in. I said, well, I am family. And then I thought about it for a second. I go, heck, I reached in my wallet and I pulled my driver's license out. And I go, my name's Claude Morgan. That's Doug Morgan. That's my brother.
1: Claude was able to see Doug and found a piece of paper in his wallet that had his mom's number. He called her and she was there in a day. That day, Doug woke up and was alert. He spent the day talking to his mom. The next morning, he passed away.
2: He got to say goodbye to his mother, and she she got to say goodbye to him
0: too. in was never the same again, but the memory of Doug and Ram lives on in those who loved them most. Things move on, like nothing lasts forever. I I, uh, I have them in in my heart and in my mind. And- I miss you, Ram. I
2: miss you, Doug.
1: The two men who committed the crimes, Joseph Gamboa and Jose Nahera, were eventually arrested for this crime and charged. Nahera would take a plea deal. He pled guilty and was sentenced to 50 years in prison. He died in prison
0: July 2015. As for Gamboa, his case went to trial, and he was found guilty and given the death penalty.
1: it's meteorologist Sarah Spivey And meteorologist Katie Blake. We bring you the weather on KSAT 12 News, but there's a lot more to meteorology than just the forecast. We love to talk about all things climate, environment, science, and we even love to answer your viewer questions. And we need more than a few minutes on television to dive into it all. So we invite you to check out our podcast, Whatever the Weather. You can find interesting and informative episodes on topics like hurricanes, winter weather, drought, hail, and much more. But of course, we also have some fun debunking weather myths and folklore and sharing what it's like to work in this field. Find this KSAT and Weather Authority original podcast wherever you get your audio. And check out the video version on KSAT.com, KSAT Plus, and YouTube. Just search Whatever the Weather. weather. So Taco Land seemed to have its footprint and its foothold in San Antonio. It wasn't the biggest place, but it, it did have a kind of a legacy
0: that went on with it. Yeah, and it was all created by by Ramayala and it was a small little place. And I think it was so popular and such a place to go to is because he let anybody play there. Eric Sandin, who you hear talk within this this episode, he said he had called and was like hey me and my band we want to play there do we have to you know send in a tape do we have to try out and he was like no just wouldn't what day do you want to play and that was it that's how he conducted his calendar of, of signing up bands to play it was just like okay what day and it didn't matter if you were good if you were not good if you you know were huge or not he would pretty much allow anybody to play there and I think that resonated well in the music I think that's great because it just showed he had a heart for people
1: and said, give it a shot, take it or leave it. It's whatever you want to make it. And I think that's that's not something you see in a lot of different music venues. Um, So I think that's probably why he was in that place. We're so cherished. And obviously the venue changed over the years, too.
0: Yeah. And the musicians also kind of described it as like it was like playing in your backyard. It was so comfortable. I mean, it was partially outside, partially inside type setting and everybody seemed to enjoy being there, but it has changed. And going back to the early 2000s, that area of town doesn't look like what it does now. The Pearl has since developed. It's really nice and pretty and it's very touristy now almost, but it wasn't always like that when Taco Land at its prime. It was a little sketchy in that area. Um, It was dark. It was kind of cringy. But they all would comment how when they were there, they all felt safe. It didn't matter. It has changed. Um, After the the murders, it closed down and it didn't open for quite a while. When it was reopened, it was still a, a bar. It was called Viva Taco Land after that. It was a little more modern. Like I said, the Pearl was starting to develop at this point. So it was a little nicer, a little cleaner. And then they closed again, and now it is called Velvet Taco. It's an actual restaurant. It's interesting to see how it's developed. There's still some aspects of it are still there, some of the original walls. There's a big tree that's right in the middle that, as some of the guys we spoke to for these, were like, everybody bumped their head on that tree. But it's still there. There's the tree. That tree, I think, is just as part of Taco Inn as the building itself. It definitely isn't what it used to be And I know the guys that we spoke to, the musicians, said after it closed and after the murders, they even weren't the same. So it just shows you just how much of an impact it had on everybody. And and before we even started recording, you mentioned that there's a
1: mural of of Ram at Velvet Taco now.
0: Yeah, so they uh, put, when Velvet Taco opened um, on the outer wall that faces the, the street on Grayson, There is a a, a mural of of Ram, and it's really nice to see that even though it's changed, everybody will remember it as the original Land and Ram being there. Ram wasn't the only person, and I'm really glad we got to get to know and find out more about Doug Morgan as well. It was really nice sitting down with his friend Claude and learning about such an interesting character
1: he was. Right. An interesting character and one who really left his legacy. You included in this story about how he would give gifts to kids. And he was a man who was homeless, didn't have a lot himself, but still wanted to give as much as he could to others. I think that's just a testament of who he was.
0: Yeah. And everybody, you know, we spoke to for these for these stories was like he never had the same matching socks on. He had his own kind of way of dressing himself and but he was just so friendly and so kind and and yeah to save money and to buy gifts all year long for his friends kids and then wrap them in newspaper comics is is just it just shows the type of person Doug was and he was called gypsy Doug because nobody ever really knew how he ended up in Texas um they ended up finding out later that he was probably from Louisiana, but it, it it was really nice to sit down. Everybody always knew about Ram, Taco Land, but nobody really knew who Doug was, and I'm really glad we got to share that because he was such an interesting person.
1: Right, and his legacy is going to live on, too, with those people he touched all those years. We obviously have to get into what happened inside of Taco Land that night.
0: Yeah, so the Spurs were playing, like we talked about. So it was actually quiet. Ram really didn't care for sports. He didn't, if he had a TV, they, they, the guy said it didn't even work inside the bar. So there was it was quiet. There was no music being played that night. It was just a bar that was open. There was several people, maybe a few people in there, when two men showed up, um, that would be Gambo and Nakita. And apparently they bought a beer, they played pool, and at some point... Gamboa went up to Ayala asking, not asking, just saying, I I want a beer to go. And he was like, well, you can't take a beer out of the bar. You have to drink it here. Ram was known to be a little vulgar. And if you knew him, that was like, oh, that's just Ram being Ram. But somebody who didn't know him, it could come off as being rude and obnoxious. So I'm assuming that whatever he said to Gamboa in in his way, Didn't go over so well and it ended up being an argument and that's when Gamboa shot him. And then they proceeded to rob the place and when they went up to Denise Coger, apparently Doug pushed her out of the way and they shot Doug in the process, but still went up to Denise. She gave them the money from two separate locations and then they shot her still. They only left with $200. So that just goes to show that they really didn't seem to care they had no regard for human life at all oh. to, to shoot
1: and kill two people and then hurt someone else and then traumatize anyone else who was inside of the bar for $200 that doesn't make any sense and also let's let's go ahead and give Doug his praise here to push someone out of the way when you see you just saw them shoot someone else you know they are willing and able to do that and you're still going to push someone out of the way to make sure, like, to try and save their life, I think. Again, just shows who, who Doug was and
0: his character. Nobody was surprised, though. They're like, that's who Doug was. That's who he was. And Claude, in the interview we had with him, was obviously very emotional. But he was just really thankful that we, we shared his story because it had never been sh- shared before. And I'm glad we were able to do that for him and for his family as well. Yeah, that's, that's really incredible. And so much of the details of that night came out through trial in 2007, which was Gamboa's trial. Nahida didn't go. Of course, they took a plea deal. And other ways that they were able to identify these suspects were, well, the witnesses. You know, Denise Koger survived her, her injuries. There were at least 200 other people in the bar who were able to identify Gamboa and Nahida from a photo lineup. And then to kind of put a stamp on it, the beer can that was left, Had Gamboa's DNA on it, so it was really hard for them to deny that they were there.
1: Yeah, and and I think you had mentioned also Denise had ID'd him that night and saw his saw his ID for herself.
0: Yeah, she kind of like was like checking IDs, I guess, making sure they were over twenty one, and she was like, "I checked his ID. Is said, I remember the name on the ID. That's him."
1: I mean, good for her too, being able to. With her own injuries, be able to have the wherewithal and the knowledge still to say, I remember this name, I can show you him in a photo lineup, and I know exactly who did this.
0: Yeah, and we reached out to Denise and to see if she wanted to do an interview for these stories, and um, she never really responded, and I was told that she doesn't really like to talk about it anymore, which we completely understand.
1: Yeah, it's got to be hard for her to think back on that time because she lost two friends, a friend who saved her life, and someone she probably worked for for a while, and she was hurt in the process. So it's it's got to be tough looking back on that. Um, someone who did agree to the interview, though, uh, who you were able to sit down with is is Gamboa.
0: Yeah, so we took a trip to Livingston, Texas, where death row unit is at, and the Polanski unit. It's very intimidating walking into that facility. And that's because you don't go all the way in. It's you kind of just in the beginning part, but just the whole process of getting in, it's almost worse than security at an airport, <laughs> if you can imagine. It it's intense, and every little every little thing of equipment, everything I mean is, is thoroughly checked and completely understandable. And I'm kind of glad. <laughs> They're, you know, the way they check people coming in is, is what they do in that process. But just to kind of give you an idea of how intense the security is, these are, this is a high max prison and these men are on death row for a reason. So it was very intimidating. I remember talking to you about it before we left, how nervous I was about it. Cause this was my first interview with someone on death row. And I was like, how do we start this? Do I say like, Hey, how's your day? How's, how's life?
1: Doing anything interesting? Reading any good books lately? It's just it's hard to get that started because it's also just a very foreign situation. It's not every day you get to go meet with someone on death row. And as comfortable as we have to make people for happier stories, lighter stories, you still have to make him comfortable enough to want to speak with you and hopefully be open with you.
0: Yeah, and I was told um, by the TDCJ spokesperson when we got there that Well, let's hope he comes out because sometimes they agree to these, but then they don't come out day of. So we've, you know, driven four and a half hours for nothing, but he did come out and he did speak. But I will say I was very frustrated after the end of this interview because almost felt like we were being almost used or he was trying to get something from us. And obviously he didn't understand the purpose we were there, but We'll have more about that later. So, part two of this, we're going to hear that
1: whole interview, and we are going to have a criminal psychologist weigh on weigh in on this. And it's Dr. John Delatore. This is his area of expertise. He weighs in on court TV, so it's going to be interesting to hear his takeaways with this whole interview because you were frustrated. Maybe he'll be able to sympathize with that too.
0: I'm really interested to hear what he said because I have my, like I guess, interpretation of. Of who Gamboa is. I'm really interested to hear from a professional and and see if we're on the, the same track as far as why he gave these answers, why he is the way he is. And we will play that, most of that interview. A lot of it is repetitive, so we'll edit some pieces out. Um, So it'll be the majority of the interview.
1: So I'm very excited to hear all of that and to be a part of it. And I think it'll be a really good episode two for season two
0: thanks for joining us and stay tuned next tuesday for that exclusive interview inside death row with joseph gamboa